worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two men power trip of wrestling. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you and powered by Bombas. Bombas is a mind-blowing athletic leisure sock with a mission to help those in need. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I am joined by my tag team partner, Mr. Primetime John Paz. And today, John, our show has a very, very, very unique theme and that's going with one of the hottest topics in the wrestling business right now, and that is WWE's Tough Enough. And we will be joined by recently departed guest Tanner Saracino and also a former Tough Enough contestant from the 2011 year of Tough Enough, AJ Kirsch. And before we get into both of them, we want to stress that Tough Enough is a very, very, very hot-button issue in the professional wrestling industry, and that everybody's got their own opinions when it comes to Tough Enough and Tough Enough contestants. And we're going to start the show off with Tanner, because he has been in the news as of late with being recently voted off the show. He goes by Tanner the Hammer. He's got an MMA background. But primetime, before I say hello to you officially, I just want to say, what are your thoughts on Tanner, what do you think Tanner's going to go from here, and how do you think he has performed on the show thus far? Well, Chad, my thoughts on Tanner, the former Tough Enough contestant who was, uh, you know, obviously recently eliminated and then wasn't able to make it to the finals, if you will, but I really felt like he was shortchanged. He's a bright guy, he's an intelligent guy, great, great athlete, he's probably by far the best athlete on the show, and it always is great when you have a legitimate background like an MMA background uh, when you're an athlete especially entering in, into the WWE because you know some of these guys uh, come in from here they come in from there and they're not legit and if you're a guy from MMA and you come into the WWE and you come into pro wrestling as a whole you're legitimate as soon you know upon arrival as soon as you get there you're a legitimate uh, threat and you have a legitimate background so it's always good to have that background when entering, you know, in the pro wrestling game, if you will. But I really think uh, Tanner showed how great he was on the show by winning all the competitions and and just really being a superior athlete and have just have great conditioning. And I really felt like maybe he got shortchanged and uh, him versus Josh should have been the final. And uh, ZZ, I just don't see it. I don't know why they voted for him over Tanner and... Uh, one of those mysteries, I guess, we'll just never know. I guess it's just the WWE Universe, being the WWE Universe, but uh, Tanner got shortchanged. I think shortchanged is being polite, actually, with uh, describing his elimination and how he was voted off the show. But I guess the, the next question I'd have for you is the actual format of the new Tough Enough, and it being a lot different than past 
year formats and it kind of puzzled me with uh, how they went about doing it it's a little confusing but uh you know if you look back to the early versions of it you know maybe that wasn't as easy for uh, a 2015 television product but you know everything changes and uh, maybe next time they do it tough enough it'll be changed again but uh what are your thoughts on the actual format of the tough enough show this year hmm you know, it's funny, uh, you sit there and you say, man, uh, this is a different format for Tough Enough. And you, you ask the question, do I like the new format of Tough Enough? And, you know, straight answer, no. I don't like the format at all. The, the live to them, you know, watching themselves on tape, to them voting and only having like five seconds to vote. And it just, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like the way it's done. I feel like uh, it's just kind of thrown together. It's just not a fan of how they how they did it, and they actually had some good content, and obviously you got some great coaches, and the judges were great, and you got Jericho and um, Renee Young, so I feel like you had the talent there, and you had uh, some pretty good contestants to be able to do a, a, a good show, but the format killed the show, and uh, it was not an enjoyable way to watch the show. I just felt like it was jumbled, it was a mess, it was didn't really make sense a whole lot of the time. As far as the you know the judging and the saves and when they used the saves, it just I I wasn't a fan. I just didn't like it. And the format definitely definitely needs to be changed. Even if they go back to the old uh, tough enough format, that'd be better than than what they're doing now. I know you're trying to get the WWE universe involved and everything else, but you got to think of a better way to do it because this format just flat out stinks. Now, John, before we throw it over to the Tanner interview and before we come back and talk a little bit about A.J. Kirsch before we get to his portion of the show, what is it about Tanner that you can see being a plus for his growth outside of WWE and outside of Tough Enough and pushing forward with his career from here on out? You know, Tanner, he has a lot of pluses and. And on the show, they try to create the narrative of, of, you know, like the negatives about him. Oh, they said he lacked facials or, or he lacked charisma or he has no quote-unquote game, which is funny, you know, and that's just WWE being WWE for you because they, like we've had many guests in the past say, they do things just to do them. There's not really any rhyme or reason to it. It doesn't really make sense. It could even hurt the competitors that they're, you know, that they're putting those false narratives on. But that's just them being them and there's kind of nothing you could do about it but obviously you know as you'll hear in the interview with Tanner he he's got game you know that's uh <laughs> you don't have to worry about that at all but um just weird that they tried to portray that because I remember years ago with Daniel Bryan they said he was a virgin and and all that ridiculous stuff yet he was you know dating Brie Bella and obviously they got married last year so just absolutely ridiculous some of the stuff they tried to do but on the plus side for him, which is I think is great for him, and if he wants to work elsewhere, even make his journey back to NXT and work his way back up to WWE, is uh, he's got a great MMA background, which is which is I think is a huge plus because it just shows you that this guy can hang. I mean, pro wrestling is very grueling, and if you're coming from MMA to pro wrestling, I think you have a leg up as far as being in condition and being in shape and being able to take all the bumps and bruises that you're going to be able to be you know you're going to be taking while in the wrestling ring so i think that's a definite plus for him he is so athletic and if you watch the show you saw him win all you know most of the competitions and by a lot on some of them so his athleticism is a huge bonus and another thing is they said oh he's got no charisma i don't know sometimes these guys they have that quiet charisma about him and it just works and and 
you don't need to be, uh, you know, overly and over the top with it sometimes. Like ZZ, you know, it's a little over the top. It's a little corny with him. And if you remember Dean Malenko, oh, he didn't really show a lot of charisma. That was He was the Iceman character. It just worked. It was perfect. He was charismatic, and the crowd loved him. So I feel like Tanner he can work that quiet charisma like a Chris Benoit, so on and so forth. Because of that legit background, I, you know, it makes it a lot cooler. And I think, the, you know, I like that a lot better, to be honest. But another thing is they were talking about his facials, and I feel like, with him, he seems to be able to, anything they said to him, like Jericho said, uh, do this, and he did it, you know, do this or do that, I feel like he could be taught anything, and, and like he says in, you know, in the interview, promo classes, acting classes, he'll do whatever he needs to do to get down what they need him to get down, and it's great, because you say, oh, this guy's in that facials, he'll come back a week later, and he'll learn his facials, and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll develop them, it just doesn't take a week, but he'll learn, and he'll get a little bit better, and a little bit better, and he'll use whatever negative and he'll turn it to positive and that's one of the great things that I, I noticed from him from watching the show now without any further ado a man who is very well spoken he's a great athlete he's got the MMA background I feel like he can go places in this business all he needs is just a little push and folks please enjoy a great episode with the former tough enough contestant Tanner please enjoy All right. Well, joining us on the line tonight is uh, recently departed Tough Enough contestant Tanner Saracino. We really appreciate you coming on. I know you've been very, very busy as of late since your exit from the show. And, of course, with Tough Enough comes a lot of second guessing. And I know when it comes to your elimination, there is a ton of second guessing. And we will get into that shortly. But I just want to ask you first, looking back on the experience what do you think in retrospect and uh, how, I mean, obviously you're not satisfied with how it turned out, but, uh, you know, with the whole process, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I definitely blessed, you know, for the whole experience and the opportunity that was given to me. And uh, I have no regrets going through it. You know, there was just a few things that maybe needed a bit more work. Uh, I just didn't have time to improve on fast enough, I guess. But uh, overall, the experience to me was mind-blowing uh just you know the way the superstars interacted with us and you know the hospitality and you know sense of family that was uh built it was an incredible experience yeah totally incredible and we actually had the opportunity to interview lita the week of the actual the first week that everybody was there all the the contestants and she was talking about how the experience is so much different compared to, you know, maybe the old school traditional way of breaking into the business. And obviously, as you go along with eliminations, it gets tougher and tougher to see the guys that maybe have the uh, it factor to continue and the guys that don't. But what do you think uh, about the actual uh, selection process, the casting process, versus the old traditional way of uh, maybe how some of your trainers uh, were actually breaking in? Uh, I think we're in a new age now, so you know there's different uh, different tools that maybe they're being utilized, and uh, you know ex- maybe experimenting with. You know, a lot of this was the social media based, and you know we had to you know rely on votes from our fans and stuff, and we had to impress the fans, the judges, the coaches. So uh, I think all that you know tied in, and it, it gives you different perspectives, and it lets lets everyone know you know what the WWE universe is, is kind of looking for. Now, yeah, that's you're completely right, and we're definitely in a new era where social media drives 
not only the way business is done, but you know how uh, the business is perceived for pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is such a huge, uh, yeah, I wouldn't even say hot button, uh, you know, topic across social media, but it's always seeming to be a very talked about uh, topic. But you know, did you sense any kind of resentment from the trainers uh, in that regard that you guys were coming off of video selection and you know maybe some people, you know, more than others really. Uh, kind of shouldn't have been there? Uh, they worked with us, and they, there was no hesitation, or uh, I never got a no from them. So you know, any question I had or any time I tried to work with them extra or any question I ever had, they were more than willing to accommodate and you know, help out, and uh, and they did. So um, I, I didn't feel any resentment towards that. I think they understand, you know, this business is trying to grow, and, you know, every day they're trying to do something new and they're trying to pass on their legacy towards us so, you know, we can uphold traditions and stuff. And just to be putting that opportunity, I think they, um, um, you know, they, they dealt well with us and, and taught us a lot. Yeah, totally. I mean, and it was such a great group, uh, an eclectic group of guys, to say the least. And uh, i got to say, when I first found out about how they were going to do the process, I kind of thought it was a little odd with having the hosts, the judges, and the trainers. Uh, what did you think about that whole entire breakdown of having, basically, you know, you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen, a lot of different people saying a lot of different things. Did you find that to be something uh, enjoyable, to have all those different minds kind of converging on one show? Yeah, I thought it was enjoyable, and uh, at times it was frustrating or uh, nerve-wracking, I would say. Cause, you know, you have to wonder, okay, I have to impress the coaches this week, you know, during the challenge, and then I'm going to have to impress the, the judges who may be thinking from it differently. Um, so, you know, if there's different styles, and they do all have different styles between the coaches and the trainers. So, you know, maybe one thing that Billy Gunn loves, um, you know, Daniel Bryan may not like so much. So, uh you know, things like that definitely play a role in, you know, w- what you're thinking when you're when you're going out there. And then it comes down to the WWE Universe as well. And, you know, your votes and your your career depends on impressing them as well. So it's, it's really uh, confusing at times, you know, who you're impressing and who you're angering or, you know, things like that. Yeah, and it seemed like Daniel Bryan really seemed to take a liking to you. And I found that to be refreshing because obviously – I mean, can you get really a much better endorsement, you know, in this day and age in pro wrestling than uh, Daniel Bryan, a guy who's literally, you know, unfortunately for his injuries, but going, you know, he went out uh, before his injury on the top of his game. Uh, what are your thoughts on Daniel Bryan, and uh, was he a guy that you really wanted to maybe impress or seek out for uh, any extra advice? Yeah, absolutely. Daniel Bryan, uh, I mean, he's a great guy. I had a, a few moments where I was able to, you know, just sit down and talk with him. Uh, you know, off camera, he was in the weight room a few times. We just had a chance to talk. And really, really awesome dude. Um, very humble, very um, knowledgeable, and has, you know, an outlook um, on how to approach things and uh, just how he looks at situations and stuff. And, it's, it's, you know, it's refreshing to see something like that. You know, I try to, you know, stay out of mainstream stuff and, you know, that kind of thinking. And he, he seems to uh, have a similar thought process and, um, it's so refreshing to definitely see something like that and be able to interact with someone like that as well. Now, obviously, The Miz, you know, replaced him as one of the judges on the show, and it seemed like The Miz had 
a little bit of an issue with you. Not really sure, you know, why or something. It almost seemed like a little bit of a personal attack. But what were your overall impressions of the Miz? I think he, um, he he's a good guy. He um, you know he's very passionate about this business, and I don't think he really had anything. He didn't have anything against me. Um, you know, this was like he said. They're trying to find the best of the best, and you know, being this far down the line in this kind of competition. There, uh, there is a time when you have to start nitpicking, and you know the smallest thing is you know what separates everyone at this point. So he was just uh, you know constructive criticism, if you will. He was, he was, I believe he was trying to make me better off of it, and uh, and he did. You know, the next week and or that week actually, my plea, um, he said was you know much better. He, he thought I had a great plea, and then talking to him after the show, you know, after my elimination, uh, I, I think it all helped what he was doing. So I, I think he's a really good guy. He's, very passionate about this business, and uh, he, he deserves all the success he has right now. Now, obviously, one of the uh, the judges that did have a lot of uh, good things to say about you, and you, you know, you guys obviously you, you kind of look alike, and 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 yeah. uh, I mean, you probably have more of an MMA background, but he does train or used to train with Basore, and he trains MMA. But that's Daniel Bryan. What were your thoughts on him? He seems to stick up for you a lot and uh, appreciate your athleticism. Yeah, I think he was uh, he's a great guy. You know. Me and him are very similar. Um, like he said, you know, how he got into this business, having to work and train and stuff, and he's always been a worker, um, which is refreshing to hear. Um, he's also a smaller guy, too, so, you know, that, that's a good thing for me. I'm a small guy myself, so maybe he saw – I think he saw a lot of himself in me um, as far as the beginning stages. Like he said, when he started, he didn't have, you know – much personality to express. He was kind of just, he was really just a really good wrestler and, you know, really good in the ring. So, um, definitely a lot of similarities. Definitely a guy I'd like to hang out with. You know, a really cool guy. Now, on the show, looking back, you won most of the competitions, especially early on. It seemed like you won almost, obviously, the best overall athlete on the show, you know, my, my opinion, but I think you were. Now, do you think that, you know, going forward with all that, I mean, you had everything going for you. Do you think that, in time, the personality and the charisma could could have come out with you know come out just like it did with Daniel Bryan. Absolutely, I mean, <laughs> everything I learned, I just have to learn you know, um, very uh, mechanically, if you will. You know, I have to learn the steps of how to do things and just uh, small things like that. And you know, to have my athletics, you know, at the high level that they are. Um, it would give me, you know, time to focus on those, you know, fine-tuning of the personality uh, expression and stuff. Because, you know, well, like, like the Miz said uh, to me, you know, when we see you in the reality portion, we see your personality and um, we see that it's there. And The only problem is, you know, not doing it in the ring. And it's really just because I've never had to, and I, I just don't entirely know how to. Um, and honestly, I just need to learn, um, you know, like with a couple of acting classes or promo classes, you know, I can learn anything. I'm a very intelligent individual, so I think we're just learning how to do that, learning how to express, um, whether it be through my face or, you know, body language, uh, just me learning how to to put my, um, you know, stage presence out there and, and make it more dominant would be uh, what I'm liking. I recently just saw something you posted, I believe it was on Twitter, and you showed a lot of personality because I was drinking something. I nearly did a spit take because it was so funny, and that's, a competitor that you, you know, just kind of got eliminated in favor of, which is kind of crazy to say, but that was easy. And you recently posted a picture of him literally walking into Burger King. 
So what are your thoughts on <laughs> you know, what are your thoughts on ZZ and perhaps his perceived laziness? So um I've actually gotten a lot of good and bad off of that. So um <clears throat> that was actually sparked due to uh, a message that um I received from ZZ. He um upon, you know, returning back home, I, I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> I, I have to work for everything I have, so I'm in the process of trying, you know, trying to set myself up to be able to train and support myself financially as well. So, um, you know, coming back home that I think the next night, my, uh, a teammate of mine had a fight. Um, so I went to his fight and there was a lot of the promoter, uh, promoted me a bit there cause he had a lot of WWE fans. Him himself was actually a pretty big fan, uh, Michael Allen. So, uh, I went to that and then I went to another fight, um, this past Saturday night, and I, I believe that's where Zizi, uh why he said what he said. And um, someone uh, called me out in the ring. I'm the current uh, USFC middleweight champion, and uh, someone had won their fight in my, my division. And he decided to get on the mic and call me out. So they actually pulled me in the ring and uh, actually cut a promo. <laughs> he tried cutting a promo on me, and... Uh, actually had some words exchanged in there. Actually, I did a pretty decent job of cutting a promo on him and I uh, really got the crowd fired up. So, but long story short is I accepted a fight and um, that's, I think, scheduled for November. And Zizi had said in a message to me, you know, I, I thought you really wanted to do this and then, you know, the first thing you do is go back home and, you know, you're back into your MMA world. Um, and I, I took that very offensively. Um, you know, coming from him, he doesn't, in my opinion, understand, you know, the struggles I have to go through financially. And, you know, I make money off this. This is what, you know, brings me my money. This is how I pay my rent and my utilities. Um, I think Zizi being so young um, may not understand. I don't think he's ever had to struggle financially. You know, a lot of it, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, his parents have been paying for all this stuff. Mm -hmm. He's 19. He's probably still living at home. Uh, you know, he doesn't understand, you know, the struggles I've gone through financially. So that really uh, set me off. And, um, you know, I, I just felt the need to expose, you know, the lies that, that he was claiming that he was eating healthier and eating, eating better and then, you know, manipulating the crowd and stuff. And, and then there he is. You know, we go out to eat healthy and he walks over to Burger King. So it's just like, you know... <laughs> Don't call me out on, you know, making a living for myself and, you know, trying to support myself so my 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 lights stay on at night um, while you're, you know, doing your own thing and, you know, manipulating the world. With, uh, that was my issue with that. Now, is it true on the show? I mean, obviously we're talking about his laziness and, uh, you know, him not really working out, but is it true on the show that you and Josh and the guys would be working out and he would literally be back at the barracks just eating or just hanging out and, you know, not really focusing on wrestling? <laughs> yeah, now, and another thing I want to clear up that um, some people have um, said is, first, I will go on record and say I do like ZZ. I is an enjoyable person, you know. You've got to take him in doses, but he's an enjoyable person. Um, and you, you know, there were times when I would get in that gym and Josh would be in the gym and Zuzi would not be in the gym or he'd be, you know, if he was in the gym, definitely not pushing himself to levels that, um, that he needs to be. And, uh, another, another thing people are, um, I guess confusing is 
I by no means think you have to be a super athlete to be in the WWE. I don't think you have to be super big. I don't think you have to be super, you know, um, cut up and ripped because I myself, I'm, I'm not either of those. I can just perform very well physically. Um, but, I mean, I don't have a crazy set of abs on me or, you know, anything like that. I'm not, I'm an average size human. I just perform and work hard. And a lot of people think that um, just by me, you know, stating that, that I'm, you know, bullying him or, you know, um, saying that basically fat is not allowed in the WWE, which I disagree with. You know, there are very large athletes who can perform. And that's, you know, the biggest thing is being able to perform, um, you know, which he at this point cannot. Um, so, the, you know, that's that's um, something I would definitely like cleared up. Is you know, I have no problem with, you know, a person's physique or, you know, anything like that because you can, that's not what it takes to be able to perform. You know, being able to perform is what it takes to perform, just performing. And that's, uh, you know, that's inside of you. Right, and it's, it's all about the work ethic and it's, just perceived in the show, you know, how it's portrayed, it just doesn't seem like his work ethic there. But in a weird way, on the show, they kind of portrayed you as, it was weird, a couple episodes that you, quote, unquote, have no game. Did you like the way that they kind of portrayed you on the show <laughs> with, like, that thing? Because they did it with Daniel Bryan years ago, and he was, like, a virgin and all this other weird stuff. You know, he's <laughs> married to Brie Bella. So, I mean, it's weird. But did you like the way you were portrayed on the show? Um, you know, there's, there's different levels of game. Um, and, you know, everyone has their own style. I, myself, probably have a very unique style. Um, also, you know, this is a, a PG show. So, you know, there's some things that in certain instances may be inclined to say that you cannot exactly say on a PG show. So, you know, situations like that, um, maybe they were portrayed a little differently. You know, I, I personally think I have, you know, pretty fine game myself. Anyone who would like to find out, I live in Inman, South Carolina. Just come take me on a date. You can buy me dinner and maybe I'll buy you a beer. We don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I think my game is just fine the way it is. Now, obviously, there was a little bit of a bromance going on with you and Josh, but what's your overall opinion of him? Because he seems like he's like the prototypical perfect guy that Vince would like. Big, athletic, and he can actually talk. Yeah, I think Josh, is, you know, he, he's great for this business. Um, you know, like you said, he's, he's Vince's ideal type. Um, he can talk pretty well. Uh, sometimes he may just get jumbled up on his words because he just gets too excited. But, uh, you know, he's a very good talker, uh, smooth. He can react pretty well. Um, you know, he thinks on his toes pretty well. And uh, and the guy's an athlete as well. So um, I, I, I respect his work ethic as well. You know, he is a hard worker. Um, you know, while I was watching film, he would watch it with me. And, you know, he he was doing what it takes to make sure he gets a career out of this. And uh, I respect Josh a lot and uh, wish him the best in his career. Now, are you guys actually, like, friends? You know, I know on the show you guys were close, but are you actually still friends and are you close with Josh at all? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I certainly consider him a friend of mine. And, uh, you know, I'd love to hang out with him again. You know, obviously, I'll visit and you know, work my way back to that level. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Josh is a great guy, and, I, and you know, I'd love to stay in touch with him for for life. You know, in the show, they kind of were talking about, you know, and they made it a big deal. You know, you're up on the top rope, and Booker T was like, give me a facial, you know, like, you know, do this or do that. Do you think they made almost too big of a deal about, you know, your facials and stuff, given that you've basically only been, you know, technically wrestling for a couple of weeks? Um. You know, that's a tough question. Uh, face, facial expressions are definitely very important, and um, 
I think maybe what would have benefited me more is just, you know, breaking it down for me, you know, exactly what they wanted to see out of me and, you know, help me get to that fit, that level. Um, and maybe, you know, they're, they're phenomenal actors themselves and, you know, I have great composure over their face and, you know, body language and stuff. So, um, I, w- I would have liked to have gotten a little bit more out of that. And I think, you know, that would have helped me a bit more, you know, after that, um, after the episode where we were in the uh, in the ring and stuff, that the following day, I think it was that Friday or it was Thursday or Friday, we got in the ring and we actually found a way around my facial expressions, which was you know just use my athleticism more. So we we actually used my my body. I moved around a lot more and uh, interacted that way with the uh, the crowd, and it actually worked out a little bit better for me. So we found ways around it um, once we just had some more time. So you know, I, I think. Um, Facial expressions are definitely very important and, uh, you know, something that needed to be learned for this business. And another thing they kept saying was, you know, you lack charisma, but you were trying to portray to them, you know, it's more of like a quiet charisma. And some of your personality came came out when you were, when the NXT guys were in the crowd and you, like, kind of got in their faces and stuff. But did you think that that was perhaps a little overblown? You, have, you do have charisma, but it isn't <laughs> like, uh, you know, it isn't really, you know, protruding, like, you know, it's not like shining on everybody like the sun. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely do have charisma. It comes with a level of comfort and, you know, just knowing what to do. And like I said, you know, I'm a very mechanical with, you know, a lot of things I do. I just have to be taught um, how to do something. So, you know, especially with my lack of experience in the WWD, you know, I, I don't really know what's over the top, too little. So, um, you know, I kind of experimented when I got in that crowd and, you know, just in their faces, and it turned out to be a great thing. Um, so... I think there's more experience with that and, you know, seeing, getting reactions and stuff like that would, uh, would have benefited me a lot. Um, and then learning how to do, you know, do that in the ring, uh, you know, like after I slammed Gigi, for instance, I think they said I probably should have, you know, done something to interact with the crowd and get them going, you know, being as mechanical as, you know, as I am, I just didn't know, you know, exactly how to do that. Um, so it just, just, you know, take some experimenting and and moving around, and just seeing what works and what doesn't work. That's interesting too, because I thought there you showed some personality because you, you know Jericho is kind of coaching you a little bit, but he, you know you kind of telling you you know get get in some of the crowd's faces, you know be a heel and you know interact with them, and you and you definitely were. But earlier on in the season, I thought it was you know perhaps a little overlooked, but I felt like your charisma came out, but without you know them really picking up on it, it was when you were feuding with Patrick and you guys were getting into it. Was that legit heat between you guys? Yeah, you know, um, I, I have a very short temper, so uh, when I do lose it, it's it's real. Rob, uh, anger is not an issue with me to express. Um, I, I, you know, two older brothers, an older sister, all their friends ganging up on you, you learn how to express anger very fast. So um, that definitely is not an issue with me. And, you know, if someone's going to try and, and call me out on something that I disagree with, I will express my frustration. Now, what was his issue with you? Was it just jealousy or was it the MMA background? What was his issue with you? Because I know he's been wrestling for a couple of years now. Yeah, I think Patrick may have just, um, you know, he was obviously he wanted to win this competition and he wanted to be the best of the best. So I think he may have let that get to his head maybe a bit and uh, kind of just wanted to show that he loved this more than I did. And he, I think he felt he deserved this more than I did um, just because he had been in this longer. So 
I think he may have just let his emotions go way over the top and uh, and expressed himself a little too harsh. Now, what do you think? What, what do you think about the performance center and the spectacle that is when you step through those doors and see all of the amenities that they've got readily available for the incoming, uh, soon-to-be hopeful superstar? Uh, and is it any bit intimidating when you see all that? Uh, I guess the breakdown of all the mechanics that they have available to you. Oh, that, that's a, a mind-blowing facility. Uh, you know, when it comes down to you know just the facility itself, and then all of the knowledge inside of the facility, um, it, it can be overwhelming at times. You know, in the weight room, uh, their strength conditioning coach, uh, Coach Witch, he's. Uh, and um, that's another thing. Coach Witch is the strength coach at the WWE Performance Center. Um, I made that comment, I think, upon my elimination. I said, Coach Witch. And uh, a lot of people, I think, ref- uh, thought I was referring to Coach Lita, which I was not. Um, <laughs> coach Witch is actually his name, and he is uh, the WWE strength and conditioning you know, performance coach in there. Um, so, you know, between him and then you know, all the coaches, you know, for the in-ring and and then the in rings, the, the rings that I have inside of the facility, it's like uh, very overwhelming. You know, there's nothing you can't do inside of it. They have a walkout ramp to practice your entrances, promos, now video classrooms and stuff. And oh, any athlete's dream to be put in that uh, that kind of facility with those kind of resources. Yeah, and it's crazy. They just announced uh, that they're going to be opening. Uh, the performance center to the public for tours and, you know, make it somewhat of an attraction. Um, are you to getting behind that marketing machine? Was that something to be uh, almost as off striking as the performance center itself? How fast they can kind of turn uh, something into something. Yeah. I mean, they're the exposure they have all around the world is it's incredible. You know, I, they created us, you know, Twitter accounts from the time we started till, you know, time we left and i've got uh, you know over twenty thousand followers in you know was it 10 weeks there i think we only had the accounts for about nine weeks maybe so insane the uh the kind of exposure and you know influence they have over the wwe universe and you know and those are only you know people that like me you know there's fairly has a ton of followers uh you know zz has a, a good amount of followers as well so it, <laughs> These may all be different people, so um, it's just incredible the uh, amount of exposure they have and how they can turn something from, you know, I came in there, you know, no WWE, you know, experience or really knowledge, um, other than ba- very very basics, and what they were able to build me up to was, you know, amazing in that short amount of time they had. Yeah, and I guess, you know, my next question would be kind of a direct correlation off of that, and that is, you know, the frustrating part about getting eliminated and you have all these amenities available to you and you you really master those, you know, like you said, that nine, ten weeks where it builds and builds and builds and then, boom, it's gone. And, when you know, I'm sure when you departed it was, uh, you know, with a, you know, not a sour note, but with your, you know, your head and your hands a little bit. But looking back, are you frustrated that you're gone and do you feel like you had more to offer? Yeah, you know, frustration is probably the best word I can use to uh, <laughs> describe this whole the whole situation. Uh, I do feel like I have a lot more to offer that may have just not come out due to lack of experience. 
Um, but you know, that's you know everything I've done in this world is uh, I've had to do you know repetitively. It's I'm I'm a worker. I, I work hard at what I do, so not many things come naturally to me. So uh, definitely frustrating to know that you know just with, you know, what I did in the short amount of time there and what I can do in the future, just with a little bit of you know just with work. Um, it's definitely frustrating to be you know taken out of the competition and you know kind of set aside to uh, you know to now do it on my own with uh, you know a lot fewer resources. Now, obviously, your background is MMA. You've had a, a, obviously a couple of uh, you know real deal big time fights in, in your in your MMA, MMA career, and you uh, are a middleweight, 185. Now, when you're at the you know performance center and you're with WWE and, and, and you're there and you're on Tough Enough and everything else, did you feel the need to be bigger than 185? <laughs> yeah, I actually walk around at 185. Um, my next fight I was going to take before I came to Tough Enough was actually going to be at 170. Uh, that was definitely a much better weight for me. And, you know, as soon as I got to the performance center, I was like, I'm, I'm too small for this. Um, so I immediately started lifting and eating more. And uh, I put on about 17 pounds. I hit, I think, 202 was the biggest I hit while I was there. And, you know, that was just because I I felt like I needed to be look a little bit bigger and, you know, definitely – it's a little bit safer for me to be lifting people up and have to put them down safely. Um, so I definitely wanted to get stronger and bigger, you know, for the WWE universe. And I feel like I, you know, I was on my way up. Um, I probably, I would have kept putting on size. Now that's one thing my body will do. I'll put on size um, without much problem. So uh, I, yeah, I definitely want it to be a little bit bigger. Um, it looks better on camera too. And uh, we all like looking good on camera. So. <laughs> yes, that is definitely true. What is the one like major difference would you say between your MMA training and being with WWE and and tough enough? What's the major difference you think in the training? Uh, so the end goal is the end goal for my MMA and the wrestling would be completely different. You know, in the WWE, I want to make my opponent look as good as possible, and in my MMA, I want to make them look as bad as possible. And you know, sometimes I may want to hurt them, you know, knock them out or submit them, not necessarily hurt them and injure them, but I want to put them in a situation where they are forced to stop fighting. And, you know, that's the exact opposite in uh, in the WWE. I want to make them look like they're in that position, but, you know, still be able to perform with me and put on a great show for the fans. Now, looking back, you know, at everyone in Tough Enough, obviously, you know, Josh has a good chance there of, uh, you know, being something in WWE one day, but... Looking back, is there anyone besides yourself that you could see, and Josh, you know, that you could actually see in a WWE someday, you know, succeeding? I think, um, you know, Patrick and Mata, I think both had, you know, pretty pretty good chances. Patrick has, you know, he's got his experience, and he does have talent. Um, I think maybe he was perceived as too young by the WWE Universe. I'm not sure. Um why they didn't like him that much, but he definitely has talent and, you know, the knowledge and the passion for that. Um, and then, you know, Mata, he's, he's got a he's got a pretty unique look to him with his uh, his mohawk. You know, he's a big guy, but that mohawk, and, you know, he's got a, a very interesting set of eyes, you know, that really set him apart from a normal, a normal person. And he has no problem, you know, getting into, you know, acting mode or I think he called it beast mode. Um, and, uh, you know, that's uh, something he seems to be very comfortable with. So I think it 
just changing a few of his athletics, you know, getting away from, I'm going to, a lot of his lifting was, you know, raw power. And uh, I think just a little bit of, you know, athletic training. Um, and, and he could be a superstar one day. And what are your thoughts on, on the women on this show? Do you think that any of them can make it? Maybe Amanda, or I know you were very fond of Chelsea, but um, do you think any of the women have, like, a good good shot of uh, making it? I think Amanda, Gigi, and Chelsea were the uh, the top women that, that stood out to me. Um, you know, Amanda and Gigi, they're very athletic, very beautiful, you know, and uh, they're learning this sport, you know, at a pretty good rate. They're picking things up, and they're easily coachable, and they're uh, – they're learning and performing well in the ring. And, you know, Chelsea, she came in with good experience, and, you know, she, she's a pretty girl as well. And uh, she's familiar with the environment and, you know, what to expect and, and what's expected of her. So I, I definitely think those three have a, you know, a, a future if they want it and uh, can definitely go far. Definitely agree with that. Now, were you always a wrestling fan. I was very curious to know that because a lot of the guys, it, it's funny because they were asking favorite matches and they were all, um, not so much Josh, but a lot of like ZZ named the recent match and some of the girls have been named really recent matches. So just curious, are you a long time wrestling fan or have you been a wrestling fan at all? I was a wrestling fan, you know, when I was younger, I'd actually been to an event when I was really young. Um, and you know, I watched it. I, I loved it for a few years, you know, when I was younger and then as I started playing sports, you know, those kind of took over my life, and I, I kind of just directly became involved with those. And uh, I, I you know, invested everything I had into those. So I kind of drifted away from the WWE and, you know, professional wrestling. And then, you know, once I got the call, you know, to come to the show, I, you know, started getting back into it and, you know, watching it over again. It's definitely entertaining. Um, you know, I do love watching it, but... Um, the reason I drifted away is because my, you know, my all my focus went into what I was doing at the moment. So uh, that's where all my focus went. That's why I you know, stray away from this for a few years. Now, in tough enough, obviously, you know, Vince McMahon is the uh, the, the big cog, if you will. He's the big boss. Do you have a lot of interactions with Vince McMahon or Kevin Dunn behind the scenes? Um. Uh, Vince, I, you know, we, I saw him a few times, you know, just in passing, and it was, you know, hello, handshake, and, you know, kind of on the way. Um, Kevin Dunn, I actually had a chance, you know, we actually talked a little bit right before he got eliminated. Um, so maybe I pissed him off and he eliminated me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, uh, he was there that day, and uh, I talked with him for, you know, we had a few minutes, and he just, you know, told us just let everything out, you know, just be yourselves, you know make sure you don't have any regrets when you leave the show. So uh, I've had, I had a little passing with him. And, you know, it was, it was awesome to, you know, talk with him. And he didn't make you feel like, you know, I shouldn't be talking to him. He was you know, very easy to talk to, you know, cool guy. Now, there's been a lot of, you know, uh, different varying opinions on Kevin, you know, with recent rumors of this and recent rumors of that. You think that he, he would actually, I know you were kind of joking with saying that, you know, he would eliminate you, but do you think that, uh, he would so much as uh, put a lot of pull in to go almost against the WWE universe and, and eliminate someone that uh, he would want gone rather than what the WWE universe would want gone. Uh, no, I don't think he would do something like that. I mean, he, he's he's here for his business. If that's what his business wants, I, I know he's going to do uh, what's right. Now, one thing I, I really wanted to ask you, because you know I'm not really sure, but do you, what would you say if 
would you rather have a pro wrestling career or would you ever rather have a career in MMA and be fighting for a living? Um, you know, a career in pro, in pro wrestling would, would definitely be uh, ideal. You, know, you get to travel the world a lot. You know, you're constantly doing something new, um, new locations every week. So um, you're, I, I don't want to say you're saving your body because you're not, because this is a real sport. Um, but you do have the benefit of the person you're with is trying to keep you safe. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't want to say it's any safer, but it's meant to be safer. Um, and, and you get to push your body to new limits and really see what you can do and what's the craziest thing you can do out there and, and what's going to get you the biggest reaction out of that crowd. And the crowd interaction is a great thing too. You know, lighting up a whole room and making them all go nuts is is what you're there for. So um, I could definitely, you know, see it as a, a career for me and something I would enjoy. Now, Tanner, where do you see yourself in five years in terms of, uh, I guess, either both your wrestling career and your MMA career or just a wrestling career? Do you have one focus at this point, or in five years do you think there could be even a whole new world open to you? Um, you know, my focus right now is just, you know, financially setting myself up to be able to train, um, uh, and, you know, pursue my careers. You know, right now I'd, I'd love to pursue both. Um, you know, like I said, I, I don't like to forget my roots. And, they, you know, MMA is what got me there. It got me there for a reason. And, you know, there's definitely things I can use from my MMA and my wrestling and performing and stuff. So definitely like to see where both of them go and, you know, just see what, what ends up being best for me. Can't beat that at all. Now, please, before we let you go, Please inform the two-man power trip of wrestling listening audience where they can find everything there is for Tanner on the Internet. So you can follow my account um, on Twitter at Tough Tanner. Uh, you can also follow my Instagram page. It's hammer underscore Terracino. Um, there are a lot of fake profiles out there. I've got the most followers, hopefully, so pick that one. Um, yeah, I want to say hopefully because you never know nowadays. <laughs> and uh, I also have a Facebook fan page, Tanner the Hammer Saracino. And uh, you can direct message me on that, and I'll probably respond to that. Uh, I will do as best I can to respond. Um, I do get a lot of emails a day uh, and a lot of notifications a day. So um, if I don't respond to you, it's not that I didn't get it or, you know, that I, I didn't have time for it. It's just I'm getting around to it. So uh, thank you, uh, you know, everyone for the support, and I appreciate uh, all the support that, uh, that's come my way. One thing you'll find is anybody who actually voted for you, you're going to owe them a, a direct thank you once they uh, they message you for that. So, yeah. <laughs> so thousands and thousands direct thank you. I threw out a lot of favorites. If you get a retweet, you really have my appreciation. And then if I reply to it, you can just consider yourself golden. <laughs> Take that to the bank. Well, Tanner, thanks so much, man. It's been a lot of fun. And best of luck. I really do have a feeling uh, – we will be hearing more from you in the future. And uh, quite frankly, from this point of view, um, I'm done watching Tough Enough now. So uh, best of <laughs> luck, man. All the best to awesome. you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Thank you.
And we are back, and that was a fantastic talk with Tanner. We definitely look forward to seeing a lot from him in the future. And speaking of somebody who we can be seeing a lot of in the future, let's turn our attention over to A.J. Kirsch. He's a former Tough Enough contestant from the Andy Levine One 2011 class. And, John, before we throw it over to A.J. Kirsch, I just want to get your take on A.J. Kirsch's Tough Enough class of 2011. And, as I said, Andy Levine being the winner of that class, and it's a little uh, little controversy with Andy when he was uh, signed to a WWE deal and uh, some of the happenings that led to his uh, demise within the company. But looking back at their class, the only person who remains under contract, shockingly, is Cameron, a.k.a. Arion. But uh, what, what is your take overall on A.J. Kirsch's class and what are your thoughts on A.J. Kirsch as a performer as well? Yes, sir. The great AJ Kirsch. He was a great interview. He's so fun to talk to, and and he's very, you know, he's got that great bubbly, uh, bubbly personality, and he's very, you know, enthralling. He's, you know, he's very excited. You know, he gets gets you interested. I I really enjoyed talking to AJ, and and it was funny because talking to him and looking back at his tough enough class. Obviously, it was that a couple years ago now, but you know, we we talked extensively about tough enough, and we talked a lot about his class and. Looking at it, you I mean you had Andy Levine who ended up winning his class, yet did not. I mean he had quote unquote a WWE contract, but what he last five minutes. So I mean, uh, it's just funny looking back that like basically nobody made it into the WWE from that class. Because look at Luke Robinson, who was a former wrestler, and you think that you know maybe he's got a chance, but nope. He didn't make it. Andy Levine, of course, like I just mentioned, got fired. But the only one that remains under contract, and this is great because she was so clueless on the show. She had no idea what was going on. She said her favorite match was, I think, Melina against Alicia Fox, which made Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, almost dry heave uh, in his mouth. So, I mean, that, you get the weirdness of that. It was Cameron, a.k.a. Arion, was the only one from that class to make it, and it's just baffling. And I not only mean you, chat, but to AJ as well. So that was pretty, pretty funny uh, <laughs> to get that out of him and, and to get the story about uh, Cameron, a.k.a. Ariane. And, John, before we get to AJ himself, please hit us with a little two-man power trip of wrestling business and maybe a little bit of your golden touch telling us about Bombas. Yes, Bombas is back, baby. We love Bombas. Bombas is legitimately the greatest sock in the history of sock. And when you buy Bombas, folks, you buy one and one gets donated to the homeless, so that's great. They are always giving back with Bombas. So please go to our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. And in the upper left-hand corner, click on our Bombas link. And it will bring you to the greatest sock of all time. So click on that Bombas link and do all of your Bombas shopping through us. Also, some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. We got some great clips up there featuring Jim Ross and Jesse the Body Ventura, Glacier talking about WCW in the backstage politics, Kamala talking about racism, Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon style. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Also, please check the feed for past episodes featuring Diamond Dallas Page, Nikita Koloff, the late, great 
American Dream Dusty Rhodes, WWE Superstar Kane, and more. Also, please don't forget to check us out on I-95 Sports Network. Yes, that's right. We debuted this past week on I-95 Sports Network, and it was a great, great episode featuring a best of with Dusty Rhodes and Harley Race. So you please check us out on there as well. I mean, we're growing and growing, and, and this will only help us. So please check us out, and we'd really appreciate that. AJ, you know, a lot of fun, great guests. So please enjoy the former Tough Enough contestant himself on this Tough Enough-filled episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling, A.J. Kirsch. Please enjoy. But uh, talking about, you know, a few years removed, a lot has happened since that Tough Enough. So how, how are things treating you these days? Uh, things are, the phrase I keep going back to is dangerously close to better than ever. Um, since my time on Tough Enough, I've kind of refocused, um, I reprioritized. WWE is no longer the goal for me. Um, I'm now kind of branching out into more just different avenues of entertainment, um, acting, commercial work, modeling. Um, I'm now still involved with pro wrestling, though. I'm hosting a first Friday of the month show out of Oakland, California called Hood Slam, which is doing extremely well. And uh, I don't, it's just, I'm, I'm in a good spot right now. I've got uh, balance to my life. I'm doing the things I love to do, and I'm making progress in each and every one of them. Awesome. That's really good to hear. You know, definitely, uh, you're definitely one of the standouts, in my opinion, from the 2011 Tough Enough cast. And uh, it's been quite a, uh, quite a difference looking back on where not only yourself, but where everybody else has been since then. But one of the big ones that stands out is uh, recently uh, Bill DeMott and his departure from WWE. Talk about your experience with working uh, with Bill DeMott in the 2011 Tough Enough. Um, I thought Bill was, I mean, nobody's the perfect coach, but Bill was, Bill was close. Bill was real close. I mean, he was tough, but fair. Um, and also I feel like he more than anybody else was mostly concerned with protecting pro wrestling. Like, like, you know, there were some people there that had no idea what they were doing despite their claims otherwise. Um, and I think, you know, for people to become a part of the WWE, which, you know, let's be honest, is still the most elite pro wrestling slash sports entertainment company in the world, he wanted to make sure that people earned it. So, you know, every time he's accused of being a drill sergeant or a hard ass or whatever the case may be, he just wanted to make sure that every one of us took it seriously because we were we were being trained by Bill DeMott, Booker Key, Trish Stratus, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I don't think you're going to find another four people that take the business and the art and the performance of pro wrestling as seriously as they do. So in short, I have nothing but positive things to say about my uh, experience with Bill DeMott. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great to hear. We were actually talking about before uh, you came on air, you know, uh, having a guy like Bill DeMott be in that training role. And, you know, sometimes you need that, that real hard ass, you know, on you and, uh, you know, that, that kind of uh, old school guy uh, kind of beats him, beats him with the business into you. But uh, you had one of the most intense individuals ever as well uh, as the main host and uh, another guy who had a somewhat of a falling out in terms of this new Tough Enough that's just been announced. And that's uh, obviously the legendary Stone Cold Steve Austin. Talk about his role 
in that 2011 Tough Enough, and the uh, and we'll get to it later, but the impact that that had on uh, on your run at uh, Tough Enough. Uh, I mean, hard to put into words being face to face with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, he's talking about intense. I mean, the guy is. You could you could taste the intensity just with having him standing over your shoulder, knowing that he's watching everything you're doing. Or uh, when I was in the ring, you know, on the um, the times that I faced elimination, he's staring a hole right through you, and you feel like you're getting like eaten away from the inside just with that cold ass stare of his. And at the same time, though, as a fan, I mean, you can't help but be like. I'm face-to-face with Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is, this is, this is beyond description right now. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you got to maintain your professionalism because it's a competition, and, you know, you don't want to let everybody know that you're quote-unquote marking out on the inside. Um, and, you know, Steve Austin, I mean, all those guys, Steve Austin, Booker T, Bill DeMott, and, and uh, Trish Stratus, I grew up watching them. So, of course, there was a little bit of, like, me freaking out as a, as a fanboy since – since 12 years old, but at the same time, it was like, ultimately, you're there to prove to them that you belong there, and that's no easy task. Now, you guys had some special, quote-unquote, guest trainers come in, and one thing that's circulating the internet right now and going around is one really cool thing you guys got to do. You guys were cutting promos with The Rock. What was it like having The Rock there, and was it, like, as cool as you would expect him cutting promos with you guys? Um, well, to be honest, I would have cut the same promo had The Rock not been there. And I cut the promo as if nobody else was there but me and Bill. Um, because, I mean, I just knew I, I knew I had to kind of hang my balls out there if I wanted any, any prayer of sticking around because I had had a couple crappy days leading up to that particular skills challenge. Um, to have The Rock... Um, cut a promo on everybody up and down the line and then get to me and just say, I thought you'd be great, man. And give me that fist bump. Like when I die and my life flashes before my eyes, that is going to be one of the few moments that plays in slow motion. That was one of the coolest, probably, I mean, probably the coolest moment of my entire career. Like just again, words fail when it, when the rock, uh, congratulates you on your ability to cut a promo. It's, to this day, I still can't believe it happened. Yeah, that that's pretty amazing. And then also you guys had uh, Bret Hart come in and give you guys a little bit of a pep talk. Were you a Bret fan? Or did you find that uh, as cool as I thought it was that he was there talking to you guys? Oh, yeah. I was, I was a Bret fan. Um, actually, I started watching wrestling in uh, March of 1996 uh, when he, when it was, you know, leading up to him and Shawn Michaels in the Iron Man match. So immediately I, I knew that he was one of the best. And as I got more acquainted with the art of pro wrestling, I, you know, understood, got a greater understanding of why. And yeah, I mean, Brett's one of those guys where I feel like just being around him, you get better. Just, I mean, he's, he's so, he was so generous with his knowledge. Um, and he let us ask questions. How often do you get to ask questions to Brett the Hitman Hart? Um, so to answer your question, yeah, I think, I think it was as cool as you think it would have been to be just picking the brain of one of the greatest to ever step foot in the rope, in the, in the ring. And I believe Big Show uh, ended up stopping by as well, if I'm remembering correctly. Did you enjoy his time yep. uh, at the house? 
Um, he seems surly. <laughs> this show was not – I don't think I saw him smile once. Uh, I think he, uh, he he seemed pretty perturbed just in general. Like uh, dog shit, I think, was the phrase I kept hearing. Uh, it looks like dog shit. Everything looked like dog shit to the big show. Um, and, you know, I'm, I hear he's one of the nicest guys once you get to know him, but we're all just a bunch of, you know, rookies that are trying to – make their way on a pro wrestling reality show. So we're not shit, you know, in his eyes, or maybe he was just playing up the asshole card. I don't know, but definitely felt like he, uh, (laughs) it definitely felt like he couldn't be bothered with what was going on when he was um, surveying uh, training. You think that maybe big show, maybe some of the other guys are almost saying, you know, I had to work my way through the business, almost like saying there's like a negative thing with the tough enough contestant, almost like turning around. I'm I'm not going to, you're like, I'm not going to give them anything. But, like, I mean, Tough Enough is a fast track for somebody to, you know, live their dream of becoming a WWE superstar. And guys from the Big Show's era, Stone Cold, Bill DeMott, all these guys, Bret Hart, they had to pay their dues and drive hundreds of miles for no pay and work hurt and work sick. And it's just not how people come up in the business anymore. It's changed so much just within the last, 15, 20 years, let alone the last, you know, 20 or 25 or however long Big Show's been in the business. Um, so I'm sure there's part of them where it's like, you don't really belong here, and I'm going to make you feel that way um, to test your metal and see if you can actually last this out and prove to me that you belong here. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure some of that was going on. It's almost like a, you know, like a, a negative stigma or perhaps like a, kind of perceived negative perception of maybe what the past uh, tough enough cast maybe uh, caused because it had gone away for many, many years. And, uh, you know, I think it was about almost like a seven, eight year window in between the two. Did you catch any of that vibe from any of the crew or anybody else working on the actual show? Maybe not just the trainer point of view, but anybody else uh, for management that might have popped in every so often? No. Um, I mean, it was a different, for to the best of my knowledge, it was largely a different crew who worked on this um, previous rebirth of Tough Enough. Um, uh, you know, they were all just there to do a job and shoot a compelling show and, and, and kind of breathe new life into a series that had essentially died back in, like, 2004, I think, was the um, Million Dollar Tough Enough, which was a part of the SmackDown, um, part of SmackDown television. So, right. No, I, I didn't catch any, any vibes from anybody on production. They were all actually very helpful and very kind and, you know, just very accommodating. And, you know, very very little about the show was actually um, abrasive or um, intimidating other than the trainers and some of the WWE superstars who stopped by to visit. Now, one thing I always was curious about when I first started talking to you that I wanted to ask you was, do you think Andy should have won? Because I, I don't no. know. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. What do you think about? What do you think about Andy? Um, I think they chose him because he's young, big, uh, was already at Florida Championship Wrestling um, prior to their switch over to NXT. I mean, for those of you who don't know, NXT now used to be called FCW, Florida Championship Wrestling, and that was the WWE's um, development um, territory. So he was already there uh, prior to Tough Enough. So I think 
you know, he he was already a step ahead as far as anybody else um, who was involved with the show. So I think he may, he may have been groomed to be the winner from the beginning. I don't know. But um, I don't know. Between him and Luke, I mean, Luke was such a natural bad guy. Um, I think they should have picked Luke, to be quite honest. And, you know, Luke is ten times better in the ring than Andy was. I thought Andy was large, lumbering, uh, not athletic, um, and like zero charisma, none. So, no, I don't. I don't think they made the right call, but I understand why they did. I feel like Luke was a lot more seasoned, even though Andy had some experience. But I feel like Luke was a lot more seasoned, and that maybe they just gave it to Andy for his look. But well, I think if I remember correctly, Andy was only twenty three, twenty two, or twenty three at the time of the show, and Luke was in his mid late twenties, twenty seven. 26, 27, something like that. So, you know, they had a couple years. Um, Luke had a couple years on Andy, both in the business and in life. But, you know, like I said, the WWE, they want they want them young nowadays so they can groom them and put them through the paces and make being a WWE superstar uh, second nature to them now. So, you know, it's, it's you're not seeing guys, uh, I mean, it's super rare, but you're not seeing guys signing with a company who are, you know, in their 30s. Unless you're talking, you know, I know Samoa Joe is being rumored to sign with WWE, and you know, it takes take it'll take a rare breed for WWE to sign somebody who's probably 30 or older. Yeah, definitely, definitely true. Now, speaking of the contestants, one strange thing about Tough Enough from your year is the person who ended up making it to WWE, who, if you watch the show, was probably the last person you would think it. <laughs> What are your uh, what do you think about Ariane? <laughs> Weird, right? Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, do I think about Ariane? I'm glad that the WWE has a place for her. Um, I <laughs> I think it's of course the first person eliminated from Tough Enough would would be the only one uh, with the company right now. Um, <laughs> anything like that, I just kind of have a phrase. I'm a phrase I like to use when something like that involving wrestling, and it's oh wrestling. If you ever see my that hashtag on anything on Facebook or Twitter, it's just it's like the, the girl who said her favorite match of all time, the girl who said it to Stone Cold Steve Austin's face was Melina versus Alicia Fox, and she's <laughs> the one that's with the company. Oh wrestling, <laughs> but they, you know they 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 have a role for her, they have a place for her, so. You know, I I can't blame her for taking that job. <laughs> Very funny. With that, with that, do you remember what uh what you said your your favorite match or your the greatest match of all time to you was? You remember? Um, pretty sure I said the Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels uh, one from WrestleMania twenty five. Um, I mean that's that's still to this day is my favorite match of all time. I was lucky enough to be in Houston and see it live and I I just it's as close to a perfect match as I've ever seen and you know I think a lot of people within pro wrestling would agree with me that match is awesome I don't know if it's as good as uh, Molina and Alicia Fox what was (laughs) yeah (laughs) six star classic was Molina and Alicia Fox oh my gosh (laughs) What was your reaction when she said that? 
Uh, I was not down there. Um, I wasn't standing next to her when she said that. Uh, my, uh, my fellow contestant and um, who became a good friend, Eric Watts, was down there when she said that. And I, I don't know if that's where the Watts eye roll came from, but there's this awesome scene of Eric rolling his eyes when somebody says something down there. Uh, it may have been Michelle when she said she was in the business for 14 years or something. I don't, I don't remember when that moment was, but um, yeah, if if I'd been there right next to her when she said that, I probably would have vomited from laughing so hard. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now let's kind of let's move over quickly. I know there's some things definitely in between, but uh, staying kind of on the topic, and that's the TNA gut check. And uh, we were John and I were discussing before you came on your uh, you know one of your your videos for TNA gut check where you literally just tore the company to shreds. It was like one of the the greatest promos I think anybody's ever said. Maybe honest even uh, to a fault. But uh, what are your memories of getting involved with Gut Check and uh, and how that whole process went as compared to Tough Enough? Well, I still wanted to you know use wave of fame uh, within wrestling from Tough Enough as much as I could. So I figured if WWE won't sign me, then let's uh, explore TNA. Um, so I participated in some of their um, seminars, the Gut Check seminar when it came to uh, Sacramento, I think. And, um, you know, I, I was just curious about exploring the idea of signing with TNA. And Gut Check, um, I think, became an online kind of thing where people would vote and it was open to public voting. And so I was trying to get people to vote. I don't even remember why I posted the promo. I think it was because I was, um, I was just kind of frustrated with wrestling in general. And I just put out a bunch of promos just kind of venting my frustrations with Tough Enough and the WWE and TNA and just wrestling as a whole. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I just knew that I was pissed and I had to get it out somehow. So I cut cut a series of promos. And of course, one of them was on uh, gut check and, and impact and just, I don't know. I mean, they've been on the ropes for so long. It, it seems like <laughs> it does not seem like a much of a viable option. I mean, it didn't even back then back. I mean, so I was really thinking about. I was like, do I really want to? Do I really want to sign with Impact right now? Is that is that where I see myself? It's like, no, I'm not going to settle for that. Like, at the time uh, that I was in Tough Enough, and ever since I was a kid, it was always about WWE. WWE knew where to find me after Tough Enough. So if they didn't want to pursue me, then you know I kind of figure I'd just be wasting my time with Impact Wrestling. So I decided rather than cutting some promo and showing them my awesome promo skills, I figured I'd just kind of like I did on Tough Enough, and just tell them how I really feel. Because that, I think, people can see through. That's one of the things I hate about this new season of Tough Enough. Every single video that somebody has sent to me on Facebook or Twitter or wherever, it sounds like they're cutting a wrestling promo. My name is Blah Blah, and I'm here to tell you that I am the next WW like god damn it I've heard that promo so many times every like it just it just sounds like the wrestling promo it sounds like the wrestling cadence that rhythm of speaking where it's like it oh uh, anyway it just vexes me it shows a lack of creativity and I think people can see through it people can see through that bullshit and they want to feel something when you watch wrestling you want to feel something real. You want to feel something genuine. You want to live vicariously 
through the characters that you're watching. And you can see, I think people are getting better at seeing through bullshit. And I feel like if what you're saying isn't real, if it's not coming from your heart or coming from some place inside you that ignites you and you, people can hear that you're passionate about it, then people are going to see right through it and ultimately change the channel and not give a shit. Drop the mic, I'm out. What do you, uh, that's great. And I was actually going to say, what advice could you give to somebody, you know, that wants to put a video together? But let me ask you this. What is your opinion on other workers submitting tapes to Tough Enough and actually trying to get in that way rather than through a tryout that maybe they might not be able to get the actual, you know, uh, you know, FaceTime with somebody from WWE? Uh, do it. Fucking do it. Go for it. If you can make it on Tough Enough and sign a contract, then why not? Who cares how you get there? as long as you get there. But once you're there, you just got to prove to everybody that you belong there and that people will pay money to buy a ticket to watch you wrestle or will buy your T-shirt or whatever the case is. Just because you sign with the WWE, maybe you can check it off your bucket list, but that's not where the journey ends. So if you can make it on the Tough Enough and make it in there, then awesome. Go do it. Because I was able to experience moments that I literally had to remind myself out loud that I was not dreaming. Like, one of the things they didn't show on the actual show that I like to use as an example is uh, John Cena was the first guest uh, trainer. And that night, they didn't show this on the show, at least I don't think. Um, first night, we had uh, dinner. Every All the contestants in this huge dining room, this magnificent steak dinner, and on one end of the table is Stone Cold Steve Austin, and at the other head of the table is John Cena. So sitting there, just like with this unbelievable dinner with these other contestants, it's like, look to my left, there's Austin. Look to my right, there's Cena. Wait a second. Is this, this is happening, right? Wait, look back to my left. <laughs> yep, there's Steve Austin. Look to my right. Yep, there's John Cena. Holy fuck, this is amazing. And I'm <laughs> sure there are going to be some similar moments like that on this new season of Tough Enough with what? Jericho hosting, right? Hogan's mm-hmm. on the panel. Daniel Bryan's on the panel. Yep. Uh, I know I'm forgetting somebody. And, uh, Paige. But anyway, Paige is the fourth one. Paige is on the panel. Yeah. So between a legend, an icon like Hogan, you've got somebody from Jericho who was huge during the Attitude Era. You've got Paige and Daniel Bryan who are on the top of the game right now. You've essentially got three generations of some of the greatest talent to ever lace a pair of boots. Um, I don't know if they're going to be living in a house or living in uh, fucking dorms at NXT. I have no idea. But if you're lucky enough and talented and creative and ballsy and passionate enough to make it onto Tough Enough, you will experience moments that you are going to treasure beyond words for the rest of your life. So you've got nothing to lose. The attitude that I approached Tough Enough with was, Somebody's got to be on that show, and I think it should be me. And unless I actually make a video and make it look like I give a shit, because if I don't give a shit, and if what I submit makes it look like I don't give a shit, nobody else is going to give a shit. So please, for the love of God. (laughs) That is great, great advice. I love it. But uh, as we wind down here, I know we talked a lot about stuff and all but I want to talk a l- just a little bit about your career for a second, if I could. Now, a lot of people think yeah. you just a lot of the guys, oh, they're just on Tough Enough. They never wrestled before that, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, you wrestled a lot. I mean, all pro wrestling. You were recently on Vendetta Pro Wrestling. 
uh, NWA yep. Pro. I mean, you've been in a bunch of different leagues, but what would you say would be your favorite match that you've had? Oh, God. I have to pick one? You can pick two. Um, I can pick two. Okay. Um, how generous. <laughs> how generous, yeah. Well, the first <laughs> one that came to mind, first one that came to mind was um, I was about a year in the business, and this was for all pro wrestling. We were doing a show in Bakersfield, uh, California, um, kind of towards Southern California. And uh, it was at the, the Bakersfield Dome, which makes it sound huge. It wasn't that big. There were maybe like uh, 300, 350 people there. And it was my very first main event. It was me and my tag team partner, Nathan Rules, um, who had – kind of mentored me in the business. He'd been wrestling for a lot longer than I had. We were just put together as a tag team because we both weren't doing anything at the time. Um, And it was my first main event. It was against the New Age Outlaws, and it was on my birthday. It was every single star aligned that night. Uh, and 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 the mark in me was like, oh, my God, we get to win, too? I get to pin Billy Gunn in this match? Like, (laughs) <laughs> as as a young wrestler who's basically still greener than goose shit and still cutting his teeth in the business, like doesn't know anything about anything, um, to be able to work against guys that I grew up watching um, on my birthday of all days, it was it was at that time the most appreciative for anything being involved with anything pro wrestling related uh, ever. Um, and if I had to pick a second one, because I know we're short on time and I actually should give that question some thought because I know there's others out there. But shortly after Tough Enough, um, I was in a squash match against Brodus Clay on an episode of WWE Superstars, I think in August of 2011. And I didn't get a single lick of offense in. No, not a punch, not a kick. I didn't even block anything. I just got bludgeoned for three or four minutes. But it was at the uh, HP Pavilion in San Jose where I saw SummerSlam 2001, 10 years earlier, and countless Monday Night Raws and uh, house shows. Uh, My mom was in the crowd. Uh, I spotted guys from All Pro Wrestling uh, in the crowd when I was waiting for uh, Brodus Clay, my opponent, to come out. And it was just – I don't remember much about the match itself, but I do remember after he, like – literally and figuratively squashed me. Um, but, I mean, he was, by the way, super light, by the way. He, he took such good care of me in there. But the finishing was, was his cross body off the ropes, um, just like a running cross body. So he squashed me like a bug on a windshield. But I just remember looking up at the lights, and there's Mike Kyoto checking on me, a referee that I've watched on TV for God knows how long. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, this is what it feels like. Oh, okay. Because it was like a live WWE crowd. It was WWE TV. It was in an arena. You know what I mean? The the fucking full-blown TV arena. And I just remember looking at the lights and savoring that moment. Just being like, this feels pretty good right now. This (laughs) is nice. So those those would be the two. But there have been a lot. There have been... I've been fortunate enough to... uh, to consider myself blessed on more occasions than I can even count for being, for just being a part of uh, pro wrestling. That is great. And now real quick, what is your favorite reality show? Would it be tough enough that you were on or dating naked with the beautiful. <laughs> <Pat Raff? laughs> 
Uh, ooh, that's a that's a tough one. Probably tough enough because I mean, as much fun as I had on Dating Naked, and holy shit, did I have fun on that show. Um, <laughs> tough enough was Dating Naked was fun. Tough enough was an experience. Like I learned so much about myself, both as a performer and as an athlete and as a person, as a, as just. I grew so much from Tough Enough that it really was an experience that, like, I don't think I would have been able to find under any other circumstance. I would not have grown the same way um, under any other circumstances that I grew from Tough Enough. And really, Tough Enough was the launching pad for me. Like, I don't know if I would have signed with the agency I'm with in the San Francisco Bay Area right now who's been finding me a ton of TV and commercial work lately. Um, I don't know that I would have gotten on Dating Naked. I don't know... I don't know what my future in wrestling would have been had it not been for Tough Enough. So, yeah, I, I've, I've got to give it to Tough Enough. But holy shit, did I have fun on Dating Naked. <laughs> you, you had almost as much fun as my co-host did dying to get that question because he did love you on Dating Naked very very oddly. But but that's it. So before you give us your You're plug, just tell seen, us this is – what's that? I was going to say you've probably seen way more of my ass than you had ever thought you would. <laughs> Definitely, but before you give us your plugs, just this is the uh, Diamond Dallas page. Where do you see yourself in five years? Question, and where do you see yourself in the wrestling industry in the next five years? In the next five years, uh, motherfucking Hood Slam is going to be the hottest thing uh, wrestling has ever seen. Period. Bar none. That's it. Everybody who's ever been a wrestling fan, and we're going to beat Vince McMahon at his own game, and we're going to get people who are non-wrestling fans to watch wrestling. So, suck on that. <laughs> and that was Joe Brody. That was not uh, AJ Kirsch <laughs> saying oh, that. Yeah, bro. So, uh, tell us, where can we find AJ Kirsch, Joe Brody, Hood Slam? Tell us, where can we find you uh, online? All right. Here comes uh, uh, an avalanche of social media plugs. Um, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash AJ Kirsch. I accept all friend requests. I have an entertainer page on there, too, so like that one. It's facebook.com slash AJKirschFan. Uh, if you search Joseph Joe Brody on Facebook, I pop up. You can follow me on Twitter at AJKirsch. You can follow Joseph on Twitter at BroJBrody. And uh, everybody should check out birdswillfall.com because, like I said, Hood Slam, we've got something special in Oakland right now. We've got something special every first Friday of the month, so – Seek out Hood Slam on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Uh, and the website is birdswillfall.com. But all that social media shit, it's all at Hood Slam. Hood Slam is fucking real. And we've got something here. And it's only a matter of time before everybody knows about it. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, man. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, all the best. I'm glad we could get you out in the time that you needed. So.